How is everybody? I feel like the videos are so much more exciting than what my lesson's gonna be about. Like, watching it's like, well, we're good. We can just go home now. So, uh, hey, thank you guys for being here today. Uh, if you've never been to the church before, you've probably never heard me um, do one of these, or if you just started coming in the last five or six months, you've never heard me, heard me uh, do one of these vision services. We typically go through whole books of the Bible, right? We just got done with the book of James. Next week, we're gonna start the book of Acts, and we'll be in that until Jesus comes back. We'll be in it for a long time. Uh, literally, though, we'll probably be in it for about six or seven months, the book of Acts, and we're really looking forward to that. It's gonna be really, really good. It's a great book of the Bible. Um, but we take breaks a couple of times a year, and one of them is for vision services. Typically do one in January, and then one late August, early September, we do another one, kind of a follow-up one a little bit. But here's why we do this. Uh, I was bothered uh, years ago. I used to hear so many people come and when we started doing vision services, maybe five years ago or so, five, six years ago, when we started doing these, so many people would come up and tell me that they'd been in church their whole life and they had never heard any clarity on what the church is doing with their money and with their resources and what the goals is and all that stuff. And, and so I was like, well, you know, that's a shame. Um, I feel obligated, if I'm gonna ask you for your time, money, and energy, uh, I feel obligated to kind of tell you what direction we're going in. And so that's my hope today. If you come to this church, or if you're new to this church, um, if you've never been here before and this is your first time, today should give you a really good snapshot of kind of what we do and how we do things around here. If you're in here and you're not a Christian, or maybe you've been hurt by the church, I hope that by seeing how we handle our resources today, that maybe that gives you a little bit of hope. Maybe that kind of sparks an interest in you that, that not all Christians are bad and, and uh, the God that we serve is not bad. And so maybe that'll kind of instill some hope in you. And that's kind of my, my goal today, okay? All right, so I'm gonna pray. You should have a notes handout, but don't read it today. It's like a spoiler alert, right? If you read that, you're already gonna know what I'm gonna say and eventually you're just not gonna need me at all. So please don't read those right now. Like wait, but I, I wanted to give you those so you can go back and if there's something that I said that you wanna think about more or pray about more or whatever, that you can go back into the notes and kind of see uh, what I talked about, okay? So anyways, glad everyone's here. Um, I love you guys and, and I hope that today just enlightens you a little bit encourage you, inspires you a little bit, challenges you, and, um, and that's it. And then we can leave and enjoy our beautiful Sunday. All right, so let me pray. Lord, we love you. God, I thank you so much for this church. I thank you so much for everyone that's in this room right now. God, I just pray that you keep your hand on us today. I pray, God, that uh, if there's anyone in this place that, that isn't sure if this is where they need to be, that maybe the lesson today will kind of um, show them if this is where they need to plug in. If there's anyone in this room that's been hurt by church or they're not a believer, maybe at the very least they can see that not all of Christianity is bad and, and that there are good things happening in the Christian faith. And uh, maybe, God, they'll be intrigued to, to study more and to come back and maybe they'll build a relationship with you, God. Lord, we pray that you bless every church in our community. Give them all fresh vision, God. And Lord, let us advance your kingdom. And uh, Lord, let, let your name be the most famous name in Murfreesboro, God. We love you, we lift you up, and we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, so if we're going to talk about where this church is going, we should probably know what Jesus wants the church to look like. So it's pretty, pretty simple. When Jesus talked to his followers and he told his church what they're supposed to do, there was really only three things that he told them to do. He said, go out and disciple, which means make more followers of him, right? Baptize them in his name and teach them the word, teach them the commandments. So the church is to be a place of community, to where we are to meet the emotional, the spiritual, and even the economic needs of other believers. 
So we are to be a community of people that look out for each other in every single corner of our lives. Not only for each other though, the church is to serve the city. That we are to do good things for the community around us, whether they be believers or not believers. Jesus said that we're to be the salt, that we're to be the light of our cities, of our communities. Jesus also said that the church should be a house of prayer. Now, we've done a really good job in North America of building houses of worship and houses of charismatic speakers, but we have not done a good job of building a house of prayer. And Jesus told us that we are to be a place where people communicate, talk to, petition, praise, pray to God. That's what he told us to do. Okay, so the church should also be a place where we grow. We don't just come here once a week and stay the same for the rest of our lives. We are to mature. So the church is to be a place to where we gather corporately together, like we're doing right now, right? We gather together, we worship together, we study the word of God together, and we take communion together. We're to do that as kind of a big family. And we're to mature in our faith, which means as time goes on, if you've been coming to this church for three, five, however many years you've been coming, we hope that your faith has matured and we hope that you're becoming more and more sanctified for God. That's a fancy way of saying that we need to find our purpose, that we need to be set aside for God's purposes, that we need to become more like him, that over time the church should make us think, act, talk, respond more like Jesus does. That's what the church should do, that we evolve into being more like him. So one time a group of religious people asked Jesus, well, what's the most important thing that people can do? And Jesus said, well, that's easy. The number one thing is you're to love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, and all your mind. But he didn't stop there. Jesus said there's another commandment that's not as important, but it's pretty darn close, right? He said that we are to love other people as we love ourselves, with all of our heart, soul, and mind. Not only do we love God, but we love the people around us. So the church essentially should be a place of restoration, a place of restoration and healing emotionally, physically, spiritually, a place of healing for the individual, for all of us as individuals, a place where we can be restored as a group, as a collective group of people, and a place to where hopefully we can restore and reconcile relationships with us to God and us to each other in our community, with our neighbors, with students in our community and with coworkers in our communities and with literal neighbors in our neighborhood, that we are to be restorative in the world around us. Now, this particular church, we do it through a very, very simple vision statement. I remember when I was still young and rebellious, right? Still a little bit of that in me, but, but that was like five years ago. And I remember being like, ah, oh, this church is never gonna have a vision statement. That's just for sellout churches, right? And I would always be very anti the vision statement. And one day I'm reading the book of Proverbs, this is about, about six years ago, and I came across a scripture in Proverbs where it says, when there's no vision, the people die. And I'm like, I should probably have a vision statement for our church. So I <laughs> started praying about that. <laughs> and this is what God, I, I felt like he gave me. And I just plagiarized the Bible, right? And this is it. To lead people to Jesus Christ through authentic worship, authentic community, and authentic community service. It is that simple. It's in our foyer, you'll see it in the student center, it's on the little handouts you get every week. It's our very, very simple vision statement. Now this is actually what we do with that vision statement. Guys, we are a simple, simple church. And we do five things at this church and that's it, it's these five things. We have weekend services, we do next class, we do small groups, 
We do Experience University where we develop people's theology and we disciple them so they can go out and make disciples of Jesus and we get people into serving. That is all we do at this church. Now, let me go into detail about these steps. And you'll see this on the way out of the building. We've got it above the doors. You'll see it in the hallway. You'll see it in our conference room. You'll, you'll see this periodically and it's usually on the front of your handouts. You'll see this. Let me go into this in detail. The first part of this is entry points, and you're already at one of them, right? The biggest one is our weekend services, where people can come at five and seven on Saturday, or they can come at nine or 11 on Sunday. Now, this is the bedrock of our faith, right? Just because you come to church doesn't mean you're saved, but it's like step one, right? And this is very, very important. And it needs to be a high priority in your life, right? Even during football season. Now, if you put your seatbelts on here for a second, here it comes. When football season starts, if the big game is on Saturday, you ready? Come to church on Sunday. If the big game is on Sunday, are you ready? Don't get brains on the person next to you. Come to church on Saturday. We offer four services on two different days. So when people are like, the game was on, I'm like, awesome, I hope it was good. Come to church at one of the other three services that you could have been at. Make this a priority. I have churches all around the country that are interested in our church. How did you guys grow? And tell me about your growth and all this stuff. And they say, you know, they often ask, does it, does it go down in the summer? I'm like, no, our numbers are great in the summer. It goes down when football season kicks in. Our numbers go, and then football season, and then it picks right back up, right? When everyone realizes that the Vols aren't gonna get anything done this year, church picks back up. <laughs> I shouldn't have said that. That was wrong. That was sinful Corey coming out. I'm really sorry. <laughs> but my point, I'm from St. Louis, guys. We just don't understand football in St. Louis. We understand baseball in St. Louis. So anyways, all right. There's like three of you fans in here. Um, the bottom line is this, is church has to be a priority. This is not so I can brag on how many people come to our church. Listen, a, it's because the Lord tells us not to forsake church. Hebrews 10, 25. The other thing is, you need church for the sake of your marriage, for your family, and for your soul. You have to come to church. It's very, very important, okay? Now, another entry point that we do is next class. Every single month, I think the next one is September uh, 11th. That's a Monday. You can come in here. We give you a tour of the building. You get to hear my, my life story, hear how we started the church, get to meet some staff, ask questions. We do that every single month. We do prayer nights three times a year. Usually the week before our worship nights, we have three, 400 people go over to the student center, pray for each other, pray for our city, pray for the upcoming worship night, and we just get together and spend some time in prayer, okay? Another huge entry point is our worship nights. We had our last one on the square in Murfreesboro. Our next one is September 22nd, and it will be on the square in Woodbury, which is gonna be really, really neat. But this is just a good way to bring people let them see our worship, have kind of a night to recharge and get revived. It's just a good way to kind of get your feet wet a little bit with the experienced community, okay? Our worship nights. Now, beyond our entry points, we have opportunities to grow in our faith. We have a lot of ways to do this. I don't know if you guys know this, we have three clinical counselors called Pathway Counseling here at our church. They're all master's degree level, wonderful counselors, okay? We have one woman and two men. 
That's by appointment only. So if you're struggling with depression or anxiety, or if there's some kind of traumatic events in your life that you need clinical Christian counseling, we have that here. You call up to the, to the front, they'll give you the number for pathways and you can connect with them, okay? We have a thing at this church called Celebrate Recovery that is absolutely amazing. On Wednesday nights, they meet over here. They do dinner at six, they do their big group at seven, and then they do small groups at eight. Their catchphrase is anyone with hurts or hangups. Anyone who acknowledges that they're broken, CR is a good thing. So if you struggle with addictions, if you struggle with codependency, if you struggle with low self-esteem, any of those things, it's a wonderful, safe environment for you to come and connect with other people. Oh, we have life groups. We have a lot of groups on campus that have childcare. We have a lot of groups that are home groups off of campus. If you get on our website or if you go back to the back corner, Andrew and Dave can hook you up and show you what groups we have available. Uh, available. Those are really important. We have evident groups for anyone who's in college. They meet once a month. I, I believe it's the last Thursday of every month. We have a huge evident meeting. A couple hundred college students come together, but the point is, is to put them into small groups throughout the rest of the month, put them into small groups. We have Eon, which is our middle school run by Savut, does a fantastic job. They meet at all four services. They have their own worship space, and then they meet on Wednesday nights. We have Encounter, Corey that comes up here and does announcements, does Encounter on Wednesday nights, does a phenomenal job. He's a fantastic teacher and leader. So we have a lot of great student ministries going on that people can get plugged into. We have a prayer group, Monday nights at 6.30. If you get on our website, there's a button that says prayer. If you click on that and fill it out, it goes to our prayer team and our prayer team literally lifts up every single prayer request that is sent into our church every single Monday. And everyone's welcome to be a part of that. They will train you and you can become on our prayer team for people in our church at, at the end of service. We'd love for you to be a part of that. We also have the church open Monday through Saturday. I put Friday, but it's actually open on Saturday as well. Monday through Saturday from 6.30 in the morning to nine o'clock in the morning, we have a room that's open for prayer. I'm just gonna let the cat out of the bag. If you wanna to come to this church at any time and pray, you're welcome to do so. We just have this one room designated for that from 6.30 to nine, Monday through Saturday. But anytime you wanna come by, I would love to see more people here praying. I would love that. Okay, another good way for you to grow are these experienced university classes. We have our following Jesus class that is, that is starting really, really soon. It's either tonight or next week. I can't remember which one. Following Jesus, which is a four-week uh, series that, that builds up to our worship night. And then after our worship night, we have a nine-week class called Foundations. And if you go through this, it takes you from the very basics of Christianity all the way to Christian apologetics. So you can argue with people about how old the earth is and what happened to dinosaurs and all that fun stuff, right? Gets into the deep stuff that people get into in Christianity. These are very important. They are free. You can just sign up and go to them. Very good avenues for you to grow in your faith. Very, very important to take these steps and to learn about good theology and, and just grow as a Christian. And then when you get done with that, we have a discipleship training course that is awesome. I took my small group through this. It is 12 weeks, and if one feels called to lead others to Christ, which all of us should do, if one feels called to lead others to Christ or to be led and to be discipled more intimately, we have a program for this. And if you go to experiencecc.com forward slash discipleship, there's a little bitty questionnaire. It takes you like three seconds to fill out. 
Fill it out, send it. Dave will get that and he will plug you into our discipleship process. So that's a really great way for you to grow. Okay, the next part of our vision and kind of the last step, right, is we wanna get you serving in some capacity. The reason why we do services back to back, two on Saturday, two on Sunday, back to back like that, is it makes it very easy if you come to one service, you can serve at the next one or vice versa. So if you serve at the nine, you can come to the 11, you don't have to miss church, right? And you can do that on Saturday, you can do that on Sunday, it works out very, very well. And serving at church, guys, and I'm not just saying this because I'm a pastor, serving at church is a huge honor. It is a huge honor and it's an opportunity for us. And we have a gazillion ways for you to serve in the church. Hospitality, we make somewhere like 36 gallons of coffee a weekend, that's not an exaggeration. Lots and lots of coffee, and it's not even cold yet, just wait. But we need people to help us make coffee. We need people, we, we prepare like 2,500 communion cups every week. We need help with that. We need help with people handing out the little brochures that you get. We need help printing stuff. We need all kinds of help in hospitality. We need help with Echo, it's our elementary age, with Eon, our middle school, with bar ministry. If you don't know what bar ministry is, Every Friday night, we send a team of people out to the square in Murfreesboro and we give out free hot dogs and water. So when all the people come out of the bars, if they're a little intoxicated, we, we give them hot dogs or we don't shove them in their mouth. That's what it looked like right there, didn't it? We give them hot dogs. They eat the hot dogs. We give them some water. We talk to them a little bit and we just want to get them home safely. Give them some time to sober up, give them some time to get a hold of an Uber or whatever we have to do to just make sure people get home safe. We've been doing that for about seven years and that's a ministry that we always need help with. We do community art classes right behind me, helps out underprivileged kids here in our neighborhood that would never have the, the opportunity to do acrylics and oils and sculptures. And if you're an artist and you have a heart to be a teacher, um, come help us with that. We need help with that. We always need maintenance in the church, not only in the church, we have a group of guys that will go to, um, like if there's a, a woman that lives by herself and her plumbing breaks, we have a team of guys that can go and help with plumbing or help with electrical stuff. If you want to be a part of that, you don't have to be a man. It can be a man or a woman. If you're skilled in those things, we'd love to know. We need help with our nursery. We have somewhere in the neighborhood of 750 kids at this church. It's a lot of kids. So uh, we always need help with that. Um, we do yard days. We have a ministry called Emerge which is a special needs ministry. We have a group of people. We have two sensory rooms in our children's area. And if you have a heart for kids that either have Down syndrome or autism or a physical disability, we have teams that go with them and they pair them up with buddies so they can go and worship with the other kids and, and get to experience all the stuff that the other kids get to experience, but they have a little bit of extra love with them, right? Someone else with them, if you're interested in that. We need evident leaders. It's 20-somethings, college age. We need help with security. Guys, the world is nuts nowadays. And people don't respect church the way they used to. And we need security. And we want to make sure you're safe. We want to make sure our kids are safe. So we have lots of security. And of course, we need help with 5,000. That's unfortunately an ever-increasing ministry that we have going on. We feed somewhere in the neighborhood to 150 to 200 homeless people every single week out in Patterson Park. And we always need help with that. Okay? Always need help with that. We also collaborate and work with and, and serve to the best of our abilities a ton of nonprofits. My boy Joel that does Endure Athletics was named one of the 20 most imp uh, important people under the age of 40 in Rutherford County. He comes to church here. Endure Athletics works with homeless children and helps them with sporting events and he big, takes them under his wing and he always needs help and volunteers. 
Portico, the Pregnancy Support Center that works with uh, uh, women that have unexpected pregnancies. Young Life, churches are not really able to go into schools anymore, but Young Life is. And so our church gets behind them and, and so we can get into schools and teach kids the gospel. Greenhouse Ministry helps with homeless. Journey Home right across the train tracks. Girls Ranch that helps with runaway teen girls. They, they come to church here when they need our support and help. Salvation Army, Soldier's Child, Fellowship of Christian Athletes, Stepping Stones, most of them come to church here, help with homeless women that have children. Shepherd's Foster's Closet, Special Kids, all of these nonprofits we work with, but they don't just need our money, they need people. They need some energy. They need some people to go there and help serve and help reach out to our city. And we can help plug you up with any of these organizations. So how are we doing with this? Well, the church is growing and that's a good thing. We've grown 43% since this time last year, which is great. Yeah, uh, you might wanna hold on because the numbers get worse. Anyways, <laughs> so we've grown as a church 43%, which is fantastic. Our participation in small groups is also fantastic. 45% of 2,800 to 3,000 people are plugged in to small groups. That is absolutely amazing. Something that's a little troubling is earlier in the year, we had almost 40% of our church serving in some capacity, and that has gone down by 11%. So what this says, I'm, these are just numbers, I'm not trying to be a jerk. It says that more people are consuming and less people are participating in serving. And so we have less people serving in, in some capacity, and tithing is around 23%, um, which just to give you kind of like a, a comparison to what other churches do, it's usually 8 to 10% of the church serves and tithes, and we're way beyond that, which is wonderful. But I have a really hard time bragging about a quarter of our church being involved financially and only a third of our church being involved in serving. I just have a hard time like boasting about that. I don't, I don't think that's a very good score. And so comparatively, we do well, but I don't think we can, I don't think we can be satisfied with those percentages, okay? Let's get into the fun world of finances. Okay, so we thought, we projected that $2.16 million would be brought in by our church, but by you guys in 2017. We've actually done a little bit better than that, which is great, God has blessed us, and we'll have somewhere in the neighborhood of about $2.6 million that people will give to the church in 2017. That's what it looks like, right? Now, of that money, let me show you exactly where every single dollar of it goes. 32% of that goes towards salaries for people that work at the church. Now, before you guys are like, whoa, you guys are getting rich, the average salary at this church is about $35,000 a year. So no one's getting rich, okay? Most of us are married, most of us have kids, like no one's getting rich, okay? So we, about 32% of it, this is the first year, and this is a good thing for us, we've had health benefits. So we got to have health benefits this year, which cost us somewhere in the neighborhood of about $85,000 for our staff. It's very expensive. Um, our rent here at the church right now, and, and we'll talk about this, that's why there's a little asterisk there. Our rent right now is $36,000 a month, $433,000 a year for rent. And um, that's about 20% of our budget. And I'll talk about that here in a second. Our benevolence is also 20%. So if we go on the 2.16, we will give away this year about $433,000. If we go on the 2.6, we'll give away about $520,000, which is great. I'm very proud of that. That's something that I, I feel really good about. Our ministry expenses, these are things like uh, curriculum for the kids, worship night stuff, all the stuff that we need in all the different ministries to just do what we do, right? 
um, you know, if we need uh, different curriculum for things, if we need things for Eon and Echo and Emerge and Evident and Encounter, all their budgets add up to about $300,000 a year. And then our operating costs, this is the money you hate to spend, in printing, utilities, toiletries, cleaning the building, stuff like that, is over $275,000 a year. If you ever told me that I would spend more than a quarter of a million dollars a year on utilities and printing and cleaning toilets, I would say you were crazy, but this is where we are. So this is where all of our money goes in this church right now, okay? Now, when it comes to money, and I don't wanna hang on this too long, if we're going to hire uh, more staff, if we continue to grow, by the way, there's 16 full-time people in a church of almost 3,000, yeah, anyways, so uh, if we are to hire some more staff and if we are to pay off this building, I don't know if you guys know this, we're buying this building. Um, if we were to pay off this building in five years, our budget will have to increase $1.2 million next year. To God, that's nothing, by the way. Anyways, that's what it needs to increase. Now, let me tell you, I'll tell you a little bit about this five-year plan here in a second. But in buying this building, right now we are a debt-free church. We've always been a debt-free church. Always been a debt-free church. I feel very honored. In fact, uh, Wednesday, I get to speak at Dave Ramsey's organization again, which is just, I'm very thrilled to do that. And um, because he, he just, he likes the way we spend money at this church. And, um, and so we've always been a debt-free church. Now, buying this building, we don't have $5 million just sitting around, unless you do, and then I'd love to say hi to you. Anyways, so... Um, <laughs> This building is $5 million, and what we're going to do is we're going to put $250,000 down on this building and then pay the other $4.75 million off, we hope, in five years. Now, I know that is extremely aggressive, but let me see if I can paint you this picture and sell you on this idea. If we are aggressive in paying off this building, get this, we will have over a million dollars a year of discretionary income to pour back into our city. We will have a million dollars a year, yeah. Listen, we give $40,000 away every year to churches in New England, and they've grown exponentially because of your help and because they have resources now. Think how many more churches all around the country, all around the world that we could support if we had an extra million dollars. Think of what we could do for the homeless. Think what we could do just, just for our neighborhoods. For, for, we could do so much if we could aggressively pay this building off. So that's just something to pray about and think about, Okay. Now, when it comes to money in this church, and I want to make this very clear, I have no idea who gives at this church. That is the, the honest-to-God truth. I don't look at the tithing records. I don't want to look at the tithing records. I see the big number of how much comes in, but I do not see who gives it, and I don't want to know. If you walk up and you're like, hey, Corey, I, ta, la, 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 I don't want to hear it. I don't, I don't care. The reason why is I do not want to treat anyone differently based on how much money you give to this church. I just don't want to go there. And I know my heart, and I just don't want to go into that territory. Now, some people argue, is tithing, giving 10% of your income, a New Testament thing or not? And quite honestly, I don't care. I know that if you go into the New Testament, that one of Paul's primary jobs was to collect money from churches for the good of advancing the gospel in other parts, right? And I know that's what, it was, what was important to Paul. And so, regardless of where we stand on that, it's not just going to take our time and money, or I'm sorry, our time and our energy it's gonna take our money as well. And whenever people are like, well, Corey, I tithe my time. Hey, I'm like, you're a liar, because I don't think you give two hours and 40 minutes a day simply to Jesus, unless you have just nothing else to do. But anyways, whenever people say that kind of stuff, that's great that you tithe your time. 
but we need your financial commitment as well. If we're going to advance the gospel, we need that as well. Okay, some wins so far. Uh, Josh got saved, so that's good. No, I'm just joking. No, he's been saved for a while. But uh, <laughs> he's doing his first vision service today in Cannon County, but I'll talk about that here in a second. So some big wins this year. The first big win that is huge is at the beginning of this year, we virtually had no men's ministry at this church. We had tons of women's groups. They're all like busting to the seams. or just women's groups for days. And we had one men's group and it was about 15 or 20 guys. And they were a good group, but that just wasn't enough. So we strategized and we planned and we said, we gotta get more men involved. So we had a men's summit and we had over 350 men show up at this men's summit, the first one. We're about to have our second one, which I hope you come to. We had our men's summit, and from that men's summit, we had 10 men's group starts. So now we have literally hundreds of men plugged into men's group right now at the church, and that has happened in the last eight months, and that is absolutely awesome. The men are just killing it right now in the church. Yeah, it's, it's excellent, excellent. Um, a second big win is the fact that we are purchasing this building. I was really scared about that for a long time, but I think if we think about the future, I think it's gonna be such a great thing for our community if we can get this place, pay it off, have that extra money and just see what the Lord does with it. I think it will be a really, really great thing uh, for us and just for the community around us and it, it'll bless a lot of people, okay? So that's a good win. Um, another really neat win today, oddly enough, is the official launch of our Cannon County Church and they're already running 300 plus people. And uh, only about 20 of those are from this church. Yeah, that's awesome. And uh, I'll tell you what, Josh is doing a bang up job. As much as we pick on him and give him a hard time, man, he is, he is really killing it. It's such an interesting community and culture out there. You have people on the far right extreme and you have people on the far left extreme. And so he has done a really good job of, of bringing a lot of those people together under one roof and he's ministering to a lot of people and, and he's really, really doing a good job. They're really doing a great job out there, but we need to pray for them. We need to pray that God continues to give him wisdom and um, they're just now starting and they're talking about going to four services, which is just nuts. Yeah, yeah, it makes him wanna, you know, yeah, he's, he, it, it's a lot of stress, but anyways. Okay, some things we kind of want to dream about a little bit. The first one is really, really neat. And uh, a lot of credit goes to Andy Hamill, who runs all of our community service stuff and benevolent stuff here at the church. Um, she literally has to juggle about a half million dollars and, and figure out the best way to spend that half million dollars every year. And one of the things that she came up with, and I'm just really excited about it, she, she told us about it at a, at a meeting we had a couple of weeks ago, but she is creating a grant system for nonprofits. And so basically what people who have nonprofits can do is they can submit applications to our church and, and to use the money that you guys give the best way possible, she's created kind of tiers. And so if a nonprofit applies for a grant and it's in their first year and they're only doing you know, X amount, they just wrote their bylaws, they only have a one-year vision, we can give them, let's say, $2,000. But if a nonprofit applies that has like a seven-year vision and they have all their bylaws and they have all their ducks in a row and they go to leadership conferences and they're really being good stewards with their resources, we'll give them up to $20,000. And so she's created this system and what it does is it uses your money better in the community. It goes to the healthiest organizations. What it also does though is it challenges those nonprofits to grow and to be more streamlined and to be more efficient. So it's good for everyone around. That's a really cool thing that we're doing. Another really neat thing that our church is doing is we really wanna increase our artistic impact on our city. 
Um, if you haven't noticed, our church is all about some art. We love art. We plan on amping up our art classes. We plan on doing exhibits. Uh, so these kids in the neighborhood that come and do art, we want to hang up their art in this back room and have open kind of art exhibits where people can come through. And we're even talking about letting the kids sell their artwork right? Which I think is just kind of neat, you know? And so these kids can kind of learn that their art can actually be something that maybe they can do one day. And so just giving them an opportunity to explore their gifts, explore their talents, we want to do that more and more. We also want to create mural groups. What that means is this, and I don't want to promise too much because I just don't know how it's going to look. Um, we do some really neat murals in this church, some really neat pieces of art. In fact, the Eon Room, the whole outer space thing is just fantastic. That's one of our, our most recent ones. But we've been talking to the city, and I just, this would be so neat, but we've been talking to the city about seeing if the city would allow us to do that on different buildings throughout town and start putting kind of like Murfreesboro's like kind of creativity and displaying it around our city. If you've ever been to cities where they do that, it is so awesome. And I don't know why Murfreesboro hasn't done it yet, but we're going to start pushing those buttons a little bit and seeing if we can gather people together and start putting some really neat artwork all throughout our city, especially in the square area, okay? Another big dream that we have is after planting this church in Woodbury, I have like this fever now. I just want to plant more churches. And so here's, here's what we see our vision at this church being. This is the last building that the experienced community Murfreesboro is ever going to be in, I believe, unless God shows me something otherwise. But this is where we're going to be. Theoretically, we can grow at this campus about maybe a thousand more people before we are just completely maxed out at this campus, right? But here's what I think God is showing me, is I think that we are to go out in areas like Woodbury, like Manchester or Tullahoma and McMinnville or Smithville or Rockvale or Eagleville, to go out into these more rural areas where they don't have anything like this, plant pastors, plant churches, and give them something kind of like this so they can grow. It's worked out really well in Cannon County, and we plan on doing that as the years go. How often? I don't know. Who? I don't know. Even where? I don't know yet. But I want you guys to help me pray for that. Help me dream about that, and there's so much need. There's a lot of areas around us within a half hour of us that no one wants to plant churches because it doesn't make financial sense to. I don't care about that. This isn't a corporation, right? I want to go and advance the gospel in these areas where people need it. So... That's our big dream right now. Okay, so what are some obstacles for this? We have a couple. Um, the first obstacle is this. I really need you guys. We need you to step up. We need you to volunteer and we need you to serve. There are some leaders in our church that have not stepped up yet. There are some volunteers, some servants in our church that have not stepped up yet. Like I said, we have somewhere in the neighborhood of 750 children in our church. We need help in nursery. We need help in Echo. We need help with middle school. We need help with bar ministry. We really need help at our 7 p.m. service. Our 7 p.m. service is our smallest service, but it's still got 300, 400 people that come. And we need help with the kids. We need help with different things, hospitality at our 7 p.m. service. Here's the other thing. I need you guys to go through the Experience University process. Not for me, not even for our church. We need it for the advancement of the kingdom of God. You need to go through following Jesus, go through foundations, go through the discipleship group so you are equipped and confident to go into your neighborhood, into your work, into your school, and disciple people. This is what Jesus wants. He wants disciples of him to make more disciples of him who make more disciples of him. That's what Jesus wants us to do. That is the most important thing we can do. 
go through the process, make more followers of Jesus. We also need more space, believe it or not. Now, the good news about that is there's 10,000 square feet over where this bread company is. They're moving, and so there'll be 10,000 square feet over there, and it's, it's pretty nice, but there's no HVAC, there's no rooms, there's no nothing. And so we need space for small groups, celebrate recovery, and counseling. They're in desperate need for space, and we have that sitting over there, but it's going to cost us about $75,000 to build it out. And so, again, pray about this, consider this. And, and we need that space. It's a hurdle right now. Now, going back to the mortgage, we're going to go from paying $36,000 a month for rent to where if we stay on this five-year year, five plan, it's not going to be $80,000. With interest, it's going to be about $84,000 a month for mortgage. $84,000. That's almost a million dollars a year in mortgage. That's a lot. And so this is another hurdle that we have. And so what we need to do, and, and, and guys, I'm not doing this to make you feel guilty. I just want to give you a snapshot of kind of where we're at as far as stewarding, as far as giving to the church financially. At this campus, we run 27, 2,800 people in the Murfreesboro campus, roughly. Of that number, 1,820 of them are over the age of 18. That tells you how many kids in uh, middle school and high school that we have, over 1,000, Right? And so over the age of 18, there's 1,820 people who come to this church. Of those 1,820, only 416 have given at least once a month in 2017. That's 23%. So just to kind of paint you a picture, 416 people are holding up a church of almost 3,000 financially. It's just, the, the scale's just not right. And so we need to think what more we could do for our community. Guys, if 100% of our church tithed, we could pay off the building in one year. One year. And then we could have all that discretionary income to do things for the community and for the world around us. Just throwing that out there. Okay, now here's where I get a little sassy. What church has become in the United States is it has become kind of a Las Vegas show where a bunch of people come into a big, beautiful building they see the professional singers and speakers and all the lights and the theatrics and they see this stuff. They check their, their, I went to church box off for the week and they do nothing else for Jesus. With all humility, and I'm not trying to be a jerk, this will not become that. And if it does, this guy will not be here. We refuse to participate in that kind of church model. That is not what Jesus intended for the church. We are all to be engaged. We are all to be involved. We are to be walking out this faith thing together, not just on the weekends, but all throughout the week. It's not entertainment. We are to be growing together, learning together, growing closer to Christ together. That's what we are called to do. And if we're going to do that, though, we have to move beyond our own selfishness. It is more than just the individual we are called to connect with Jesus personally for the sake of our spiritual health and for the sake of us reaching out and touching other people that we influence. Now, when I say it has to move beyond the individual, if we start getting upset about the fact that the church is growing, I always got a kick out of that. It's like, oh, the church is getting big. I'm like, man, isn't that terrible that more people know who Jesus is? Isn't that an awful thing? We should be happy with that. And if we're, our church keeps growing and growing, that should... That should push us to want to start more churches and develop more leaders, develop more people to go out and spread the gospel further. The other thing is this though, you are not at this church to get to know me and I'm not at this church to get to know you. You are here to get to know Jesus. 
And so just because I or someone else on staff isn't as accessible as you would like, please just know that it's not because we don't love you. There are 16 of us doing this thing right now. And it's not because I don't want to have coffee with you every, every week or don't want to get together with you. It's just, I just don't have enough time. And, and a lot of us don't have enough time. So please don't get offended so easily. If I say something you disagree with before you uproot your whole family and just say to heck with church and, you know, like move off in the woods and be a weird prepper or something, before you do that, send me an email and just say, hey, can you explain what you said right here? And maybe it was just a simple misunderstanding. Or maybe we actually disagree something that's really not that important in the grand scheme of things. And we can still come to church together, love each other, and grow together, right? So send me an email. I ask this. Invest in you for the sake of investing in the ones you love. I ask you to attend, to study the Word of God, to pray, to fast. We're going to do a huge fast at the beginning of the year. Please join us in that. Fast and serve your community. This is what I ask of you. If we personally connect closer to God, we can affect a lot of other people around us and bring them into a relationship with God. And we have to keep an outward vision. This cannot become a country club. This cannot become just, well, it's us, right? And we're afraid of outsiders, we're afraid of growth, we're afraid of expanding. We cannot go down that road. Non-believers have to be our main focus. We have to be wanting to share the gospel with other people. Do we still mature? Do we still sharpen each other in here? Of course we do. We don't water it down, right? We don't like start like opening up service with like, you know, like ACDC songs that are changed, Highway to Heaven or something. We don't go down that road, right? We sharpen each other, we groom each other, but we have to be advancing the gospel. Here's the thing, is it gonna be uncomfortable? Absolutely. If church ever starts becoming comfortable, something's wrong. Something's wrong. When Jesus says, I'm gonna send you out like sheep among wolves, that's not a comfortable thing, but it's never been about our comfort. It is about his kingdom. Is it, about, it is about his kingdom and more people knowing who Jesus is. So Jesus looked at his followers, his disciples, in the most famous sermon ever given, the Sermon on the Mount, chapters five, six, and seven of the book of Matthew. And he looked at his followers and he says, you are the salt. You are the salt of the earth. He was meaning you are the people who are going to go out into the world and show them purpose. That is you. But if you lose that identity, if you lose your purpose, you're not good for anything anymore. That's what Jesus said. You are the salt of the earth. Go out and make it a better place. He also says you're the light of the world that a city that is situated on a hill can't be hidden. He says, no one lights a lamp or turns on a light and covers it up, right? He says, no, 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 you light the lamp or turn on the light and you stick it in the middle of the house because it illuminates the entire house. Jesus said in the same way, let your light shine before men so that they may see your good works and not give you glory, but give your Father in heaven glory. We are the salt and we are the light of the world. Jesus has commissioned you and I to go out into the darkness. Here's what I ask of you, just to sum it all up. Please be here. Not for me, be here for you. Be here for your family, for your marriage, for your own spiritual health. Be at church, come to church. Well, I got something going on on Sunday. 
be here on Saturday. Well, the game's on on Saturday. Come on Sunday. Find a time to be at church. Please consider going through, following Jesus through foundations and through discipleship. Well, Corey, it takes time. It does. But we have one life to live. And we need to be as close to Christ as humanly possible. And these classes will bring you closer to Jesus and equip you to go out and affect people's lives around you. Please consider going through those. Please consider getting involved in a small group. We need this. We need the accountability. Whenever people send me an email and it's like, oh, the church got too big. I got lost in the shuffle. I'll always ask them, what small group were you in? Well, I wasn't in a small group. I don't know what to tell you. If you're in a church one-tenth our size, you can get lost if you're not in a small group. We need small groups. I was in a small group. I'm about to start another one here pretty soon, but my wife and I did a small group. We were in a small group. Everyone needs a small group. Get plugged in, get involved, pray about that. Pray about where you need to serve, how you can use your talents, your gifts. Even if it's not your talents and gifts, making coffee, making communion, handing out the bulletin, saying hi to people, praying with people, however God tells you to serve, jump in and serve. Pray about your financial commitment. I will not know. I will not know if you give or don't. I just wanna make that abundantly clear. I will not know if you give or don't give financially to this church. Let me tell you this though about finances, and this is the last thing I'm gonna to say today about money. When my wife and I first became Christians in 2003, I was late 2002, she was early 2003. Right when I found out about tithing, my wife and I have always been faithful tithers. In fact, with the check that you guys give me, right, from, from your offerings, my, my salary, first thing I do when I get it is my wife writes a check for 10% back immediately. That's the first thing we do. So you get me 10% off every single week, right? <laughs> that was a bad joke, wasn't it? So anyways, we have always been faithful tithers. Let me tell you this about my personal experience with tithing to the church, to whatever church I was at. My wife and I have never had an abundance. Right now as I speak, we do not have an abundance. We do not have an abundance, but we have never been without. God has always provided for us. He's always protected us. He has always supplied our needs because we have trusted the Lord with our finances. He has always been good to us. He has always taken care of us. If there's one thing that I can just, when I do premarital counseling for couples, I look at them and say, look, I'm not gonna know if you do or don't, but for the sake of your future, get into the habit of, of being financially good stewards with the Lord. Do it, do it, do it, and God will take care of you. The last thing is this. I need you to pray for Josh. Like, like really pray for Josh. Not just for Josh and that Cannon County campus. Pray for all of our future campuses. Where they're gonna be, I'm not sure yet. Who it's gonna be, I'm not sure yet. But just pray that we advance the gospel. That is why we're doing all this, is to advance the, the word of God, the saving knowledge of God, a relationship with God. That's why we're doing all of this. And let me end with this. In the last month or so, I feel like God has opened up my eyes in a way that I don't feel like my eyes have ever been opened before. Um, it started about a month ago and it really kind of came to a head this week. I feel like the Lord has opened my eyes and, and for the first time, not for the first time, but, but in a way I've never seen it before, I'm really seeing how dark the world is. I see it everywhere. <laughs> I'm not just trying to be stupid, it's almost like the matrix thing, right? 
It's like, you know, like you've been illuminated to this thing and you're like, wow, it's bad. And you look at the hatred and you look at the violence, and I'm not talking even outside of the church. Unfortunately, I'm talking about inside the church too. You start to see the racism and, and just, you start to see how ugly people can really be. And so in the last week, and I'm not trying to like grind an ax on this or whatever, but I felt like I had this really great opportunity to bring kind of these two opposing sides together and have some conversations about some really tough issues. I don't know if you guys know this or not, we have some pretty radical left-wing groups who are threatening to destroy our square and all that stuff. And so I thought if we could have conversations about these things before someone gets hurt, that that would be a very Christ-like thing to do. And you wouldn't believe the hatred I received. You wouldn't believe the emails I got from Christians telling me how stupid I was and close-minded I was. It's funny, one group thinks I'm far right, one group thinks I'm far left. I got threats from white supremacist groups, I got threats from far left-wing groups, church threats, all, all kinds of stuff. And I'm not afraid of that, but what it did is it made me sit back and say, God, we're in a really sad state right now. We're in a really bad place right now to where we can't even talk to each other. The bottom line is this. It is exceptionally dark. I would argue, and I'm not like one of those end-time weirdo guys, I would argue it's darker now than it's ever been. But Jesus looked at us and he said, you are the light of the world. Why? Because the Father of lights is in us. If anyone is going to penetrate the hatred, if anyone is going to speak and, and get into the messiest of all situations, and guys, let me just be honest with you, and I don't mean this to be a jerk. If you're not wanting to get into a messy church, this is not where you need to be. If you don't want to have tough conversations, if you don't want to be empathetic, if you don't want to pray for the worst of the worst and the least of the least, this is not the right place for you. But God is looking at us, not Christianity as a whole. God is looking at the experienced community right now. I feel so strongly in my heart that God is looking at this church because, and I'm not trying to be arrogant, I feel like this church can do something in this area that no other church can do. And God is looking at you and I right now, asking, are you willing to go into the dark? I was talking to my wife the other day, we're in the kitchen, and I'm like, I said, Alicia, I never thought I'd have hate groups on both sides threaten me. I never thought I'd be in that place. And my wife, who's just so brilliant, wonderful, and such a good Christian. She just goes, Corey, we pray for God's protection, and we step into the darkness. It's what we do. We pray that God makes us as wise as serpents and harmless as doves. We pray that as we go out as sheep among the wolves, like lambs to slaughter, we just pray that he protects us. I want to invite you to get into the mess with me. I want to invite you to go into the dark with me. 
As dark as it gets though, guys, Jesus looked at his followers and he said, I'm with you. I'm with you to the ends of the earth. I'm with you. And if he is with us, a wise man said in the Bible, he said, if it's not of God, it's going to fall apart. But if God is with them, there's nothing in the world that can stop them. That's what it says. Would you bow your heads with me, please? If you're in this room and you've been hurt by church, I want to tell you I'm sorry. I hope that something today has given you a glimmer of hope that not all church is bad. Not all Christians are bad. If you're in here and you're a believer, if you need prayer for anything, there'll be men and women up here at the front. Please let them pray for you. I don't care what your need is, if it's a personal need or if it's for a loved one or if you just want to come up, just whatever, and let them, let them join with you in prayer. We have tables set up outside and in the corner back here in the back. If you want to at least get some information on serving somehow in the church, stop by those tables, talk to them. Maybe ask a couple of questions and then pray about where you need to get plugged in and what you need to do. And if you need God to forgive your sins, I just ask right now that you ask God to forgive you of your sins and we have communion all the way around the room. And that communion reminds us, <laughs> that communion reminds us that Jesus went into the darkness for us, that he gave his body and his blood so we could be delivered from the darkness, that we could become the light. And you're welcome to take that. As your heads are still bowed and your eyes are closed, church, you have no idea how much I love you. I love you and I believe in you and I'm not afraid of the darkness. And you shouldn't be afraid of the darkness either. Jesus has already overcome the world. Lord God, we love you. We thank you. We praise you. Bless my brothers and sisters in this room and strengthen them. Give them wisdom and courage, God. Father, I just want to get a little weird right now, and I want to pray for all of the, the, the hate groups on both sides of the aisle. I want to pray for the Antifa groups, God, that... that are so blinded, God, by their rage. Lord, I pray that you're just, your grace and your mercy goes and covers them up, God, and speaks to them. I pray, God, that you go onto the far right side with these skinheads and, and Nazi sympathizers, God, and that your, your Holy Spirit touches their heart. And I pray that testimonies come out of those sides. I pray, God, that we can show your love, even in the face of danger and even in the face of hatred and opposition, God, that we can go into places and that we can show people, Lord, that you are the light, that you are good. Lord, we love you. We thank you. We praise you, God. Be with us, God, as we move forward. In Jesus' name, amen. I love you guys to death. I hope you have a great week.